This is a Business as Mission podcast. Business as Mission. I'm Gaya Boyd, your host. So I began to see it as this dynamic activity that was unfolding all the time. And I had an option to become a player in this activity if I would learn how does it work. Welcome to our podcast series where we explore kingdom keys for business, life and work. I'll do that together with Bill Job. Bill lived 30 years in China where he witnessed God's presence tangibly in the business. You will hear some captivating stories. Bill discovered kingdom keys, but both of us are eager to learn more. So we will invite guests from around the world, men and women who are also hungry to experience God move in the workspace. What are their stories? How do they see God move? God is at work in the marketplace and we believe God desires to partner with us way more than we ever thought possible. May these conversations inspire you to connect deeper with God in your business, in your daily working life. Thank you for joining us today in this podcast. We are happy to talk with Hansa Moon, who has been over 40 years uh, involved with business as mission. Um, Bill, our co-host, he is here again. Welcome. Thank you, Gay. It's great to be with you. And uh, I feel like I'm sitting with a legend. So I'm quite excited about today's podcast. I'm sure it'll be very interesting to our audience. Well, Mr. Legend, Mr. Hamun. <laughs> <laughs> well. Thank you. Thank you so much. But uh, legends, you know, they come and go. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about legends, how long have you been involved with business's mission, uh, Bill? Since 87. And so not as long as our guest today. So when did you start? Tell us, how did you get involved? I call my start the 1st of March, 1983. So that's an exact date. So very exact date, because that is the exact date that people asked me to start a company in order to smuggle Bibles professionally to Eastern Europe. And uh, the company started on the 1st of March, 1983. So there we actually started this way. And uh, it, it became very successful, by the way. I mean, in uh, there's a year still, 1991, we smuggled about 1 million Bibles to uh, former Soviet Union, later on to China, and later on to even to Kuwait, Yemen, etc., and Ethiopia. How did it start? What were some of your first experiences doing this? Actually, I am a businessman. I was born uh, in, in Bodegraven in, in the Netherlands. And then, uh, of course, I went to school and did mechanical engineering, but I never worked in it. And then in my time that I was in military service, then I thought, okay, uh, mechanical engineering is not a really good thing for me to do. It's, it, it takes me too much in a, in, a, in a cage, as a matter of fact, and I'm, I was too free for that. So then I started economy and all those other kind of things and started to become uh, working in business, in business. And later on... You were a Christian around this time? I was no Christian around that time. So uh, I became a believer when I was uh, uh, 32 years old. And on the, after a very heavy car accident, a very bad experience, etc., I became a believer. And then I started on the 1st of September 1978... I started to work for a new company in Arnhem, and they were uh, working in Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. 
And uh, they, on the 4th of September, the same year, I became a believer, so four days later, and on the 28th of September of that same year, I started to smuggle my first Bibles. So how so, was that? It was a real experience. It was a real experience. And uh, so, uh, of course, I saw the Lord really working there, uh, how he took uh, care of his own words to bring it to people who were in need of his word. And uh, it was incredible miracles happening all the time. A miracle happening how I got the Bibles into the Soviet Union itself, but the uh, Biggest experience for me was that when I knocked the door of the person I had to bring the Bibles to, that he was so happy that I was there because the evening before I was there, he got a telephone call from somebody from Novosibirsk, so 2,500 kilometers away from Moscow the other way, and from somebody said, I come in and get Bibles from you. And he said, I have no Bibles. He said, yeah, but the Lord told me you have Bibles, so I, come, I, put, I go now in the train and have my Bibles. And then I came there the next day and brought Bibles. So for me, there was such a miracle that the heavenly communication was so good, equipped, that I came. I was a part of that to bring the Bibles there, and that was for me the real, yeah, the real hope and the the real uh, way how the Lord is telling people how to do things. And for me, that was that was the real uh, accident of evidence to, to to that He could bring His Bibles. Do I understand it right? So he got a phone call yeah. from someone who had a number in his dream. He had a number in his dream, yes. He had a number in a dream. He got a number in the telephone because they didn't know each other. He got a telephone number in his dream, and he called that telephone number the next day, and that was the guy what I brought the Bibles to. It's incredible. Yeah. It's the only thing I can say, this is a real miracle. And I was part of that. I mean, it, it really, I thought, okay, if God can do this, he can do anything. And that happened in the rest of my life. <laughs> so did you have those things happening to you, uh, Bill? Maybe not quite as dramatic, but the answer is yes. That I don't think BAM actually works without a the direct enough connection to the Lord for him to be able to give you instructions. Sometimes solving technical problems, financial problems, <laughs> HR problems. And so I'm absolutely delighted to hear this introductory story in Hans's life and ask him, do you think this helped you prepare for the way that the, the BAM involvement in your life would unfold? Yeah, I, I think for me, uh, it was like this. It was a real calling. So I had here a very solid calling from the Lord. Nobody could deny that. And I have even seen it. So there was no way in my whole life since then that I had to doubt about it. I knew it. And that was also for my wife and for the rest of my family. It was really very important that we knew this. This was my calling. And uh, and because of that, I could do it. I mean, because you, you know all the time, the, if the Lord do this kind of miracles, he can do anything. So have you seen miracles like that later on? Too? Yes. Yes, I mean, I've seen so many miracles in my life. And also sometimes there were no miracles. And then you were in despair yourself that you said, hey, Lord, something is happening here. And why don't you give me a miracle so that I can continue? And so it's also, I mean, I think it's like a baby. In the beginning, he believes everything his father and mother says. And that was for me also the, the, the way. I mean, everything what he did was okay. That was a miracle. But later on, of course, becoming an adult business person in, in business as mission, then you have to make your own decisions as well. 
And of course, that's that's a learning school. So you see that also as a process in life, yeah. as a spiritual process, it's not only as a natural, you know, we are babies and we are taken care of, but then we grow up and we face challenges and mom and dad are not there. Is that how yeah, you... Yeah, that was exactly what I thought about it. That this is an exact way of how to become an adult. You need to go through all the stages in life to become a real adult. I mean, and that's why I think many people never become adults <laughs> because they either don't take the stages or they don't want the stages. Uh, but I think we need it. I mean, if you want to become an adult person in, in business, uh, you won't have troubles. I mean, there is no one business without a trouble. And then you have to find solutions. In the beginning, maybe the Lord tells you exactly the solution, but later on you have to find them yourself. And sometimes you make big mistakes there as well. And uh, so, and it is always a spiritual battle because this is business as mission. So it's a spiritual battle. Spiritual battle. Uh, can you explain that to our listeners? What? What? How? How does that look like? Is there like a? Uh, something dark wangling your throat or how does it look like no not not really i th i think what i tell people uh, also about spiritual battle i said you know what we do is what the enemy of god doesn't like us to do because we are entering in his kingdom and we take away part of his kingdom and bring that in the kingdom of god so he, he tried to prevent that He tried to do everything possible, not that it let happen. How did that express itself in your life? It can express in my life, it expressed in people, also in believers, believers who were against you doing things, you know, and try to uh, try to get you out of that. It is uh, sometimes it's uh, it, that you get uh, troubles in your business, uh, so big troubles in your business that it is hardly blown up, or sometimes it's really blown up completely. Uh, that that can happen. And sometimes you get even threats from people, you know, that people try to uh, to do something bad to you. It can all happen. But then you always have to ask yourself, okay, what is happening now? Is it my own fault or is it a spiritual battle? Because all, you have also faults what you make yourself, right? And sometimes we think, okay, the spiritual battle <laughs> is something what the, Lord, what the devil did to me, but maybe it's your own fault. So you have to find out, you have to be honest to yourself as well. Because, I mean, after 40 years and... Growing up, and I see still quite a twinkle in your eye. Yeah, it's is is. I mean, I think I think everybody who worked in this way for the Lord, I mean, it's it's an adventure. It's an adventure, and if you like adventures, yeah, do this. <laughs> Go and do this because it's a real adventure. And and the closer, the more you do this kind of thing, the closer you feel yourself also to the Lord. And that's why it gives you so much courage. It gives you so much energy. After so many years, the energy is still there. And you say that's because God is giving me this? Yes, God is giving you the energy. God is giving you all the ideas. God is giving you the creativity. I mean, we have we, we, can, we have a, a big source of creativity from the Holy Spirit. I mean, the, the, big, the biggest creator in the world is here, is on our side. So, I mean, and you can take, you can tap all this creativity from him. That's enormous. I mean, if you see what you can do then, it's... You can't believe it. You can't believe it. I see you laughing, uh, Bill. Can, what, what are you thinking when you hear Hans share this? Oh, I'm just thinking of many of our experiences, like when he says that uh, there may be threats against you. And uh, I've told the story of the man who threatened to murder my family. And 
then the the need for creative ideas because we're you know six hours out of going away from going out of business unless we get an idea and then we get the best idea that the world's seen in this solving this particular problem and we are not producing it we're receiving it yeah i've learned to ask people this idea that you have did you create the idea or did you receive it and surprisingly people say sometimes for the first time oh i didn't realize that but i didn't create the idea i actually just received it and so it's one of the fundamental principles of the kingdom operation how did that look in your case receiving ideas yeah i just just they just came in They just came in. I mean, it's, most of the time you do even don't have to think about it. I mean, there are so many uh, uh, chances to get, to receive it. The only thing is, I think, a lot of people receive the same, but they are afraid to do it. <laughs> That is quite often the point. I mean, then they have really from something from the Lord, but they think, okay, can I do that? Is it not too dangerous? Do I not bring my myself in, in danger? or it's not good for my company, or this kind of thing. So people think too much, and if you start thinking too much, you don't do it anymore. But can you give an example? Of, of this, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember also in the time, uh, let's say, of smuggling Bibles, that uh, we had many threats going on all the time. And uh, I, I know also the secu- uh, Secret Service tried to find out, of course, what you're doing. And uh, so they try to work also through my uh, my personnel quite often. Yeah. So this personnel, they said, okay, you can do this, don't do that, etc. You know. And I remember one time also my my secretary in uh, Romania. Unfortunately, she died. It was a really super super lady. But uh, the, so they ask her all kind of abusive things. You know. So I said I said to her, you have never do to do something like that because the Lord will protect us and protect our business. You know. And then we saw something happening with these people. They were they were out or were ousted by somebody, so that the way was open and free. What she never thought before. So it was always going in a direction that you never have to put yourself in in this type of danger, and also not your personnel. You have been. Quite a long time you did business's mission when the whole concept or the idea it was not really known in this way. What have you seen develop over the decades? Now, yeah, when I started, I started a World Partners Foundation, let's say in 1995, because then it was too much work for myself. And I, I tried to say, okay, we need more people to do this. And then I tried to find people who were already in business's mission. And I could find nobody. I couldn't find you, Bill, but I couldn't find no other people. Of course, there were other people doing that as well at that time, but not many, not many, that's for sure. So I tried to find people. I couldn't find them. So that's why I started this whole thing myself. And then I I saw exactly after, let's say, Pattaya in 2002, I believe it was a Lausanne conference in Pattaya. Pattaya in? In in Thailand, in Mm -hmm. Thailand. And that was the first time that we were sitting together as business as mission people. And I think there was about 15 people or something like that. 15. 15 people were sitting together. And uh, and most of them I I have never seen before. (laughs) And uh, so that was the real first time that we did something like that. And before in 1998, we had a group of 20 people in the United States There were 18 Americans, uh, a British guy, Steve McTeevy, and, and myself. Uh, we were talking about something like this, but nobody ever knew what it was. So one of the guys who's coming now at the meeting was there as well. 
Yeah, so this, this BAM meeting was coming. And then Mike Bears, I remember Mike Bears started to go to Central Asia. You remember that, uh, Bill? So, and, so, and, and it was too difficult. A lot of people went to Central Asia. They thought, wow, this is the real country. But most of them did not succeed. They went back. And uh, so I find out later on that, uh, that why they, they went back, of course. It was really very difficult, a completely different mentality and, and culture. So that's what also what you have to learn if you do business admission abroad, I mean, in other countries. Then I always say you have to learn three things. You need to know the, the culture and the history. That's very important. Culture and history. If you don't know culture and history, you will for sure fail. That's number one. Number two, admit that you don't have to speak the language for 100%. They, they will speak it much better than I do. And the third thing, I can never change my color. <laughs> so, so if I understand that, then you can do business admission everywhere in the world. Let the local people do it. Let the local people do it. Is that something that you see developing also? Like, you know, at that time, maybe it was more, and still maybe, Westerners and still encouraging to do that. But you are involved also, I think, somewhere in Asia. Yeah. Can you share a bit what you see happening there? Now, what I see is this, that most of the business admission of business type of things are done by foreigners and not by local people. And I think in the whole time we, we think now about, you know, slavery and all those kind of things, then you see there's no an equal uh, field where we play, no equal play field. So, I mean, if we, as long as we make ourselves more or better than the local people, we never will get that. So I think we have to learn that there is an equal play field. We know maybe more about one thing, but not, not too much more about the whole culture and whole history. So if we see Central Asia, for instance, where I work a lot, uh, then I see that there were already the Persians, the Persian Empire, with King Darius was there already uh, 500 years before Christ was born, a high-standing empire uh, with a very good booking system, bookkeeping system. I've been in his palace in, in uh, Persepolis, and one-third one of the palace is bookkeeping. And he was paying the people. I mean, it was really very high developed. So in that times, we were still barbarians or not even existing here, you know. <laughs> we so, were in the Netherlands, you know, kind of so, yeah. drowning in the mud, kind of. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. But after all these years, the people got developed by the communistic system and that spoiled them completely. And, and now they're coming out of that. So we have to help them to come out. I think we are more helpers than uh, uh, put ourselves above that. So if, as long as we are helpers, then we have a real uh, click with the local people. And they can do it. I mean, they're not stupid people. They can do it. They have maybe not enough, not, not enough resources so far, but we can give them the resources. So the, and that's what you see developing, that local people yeah. are, um, as Christians, engaged in business and, and sharing the gospel. Yes, I have a good friend in Kazakhstan. He has 150 coffee shops and he started from scratch. The guy is 39 years old and he can do it. You know, he had a good, of course, he had a good uh, uh, underground. He has a good education, but he started it. And, and he, was, he was able to raise enough uh, money to, in order to do it himself. He did not need any money from any churches or from wherever. He did it all by himself. And what do you see happening through the... the the coffee shops he's doing what do you see yeah, locally people, yeah I, I, so in one one hand he is helping uh, people I, i cannot go too far in this uh, podcast to say everything what he's doing but anyway he is he's working in, in god's kingdom that's what i can say he's really working in god's kingdom and something is developing in god's kingdom in what he is doing you are involved 
also globally, uh, Bill. What do you see happening in some of these countries? I see many company, countries developing their own BAM network that is totally indigenous, and it's really refreshing to see. And uh, another thing I would like to just draw out a little bit more, because I'm not sure that the audience knows how profound this idea is, and it's the idea that Hans is talking about, that he can promote a BAM operation without moving to another country. I have a friend who did that in India, and he was the first guy that did that successfully. And I thought, well, wait a minute, that changes everything. Because many people will not see themselves able to move to Indonesia or to Vietnam, but they could see themselves actually connecting with locals there and promoting that significantly. It's what they call a game changer in terms of the BAM mentality. So investing, investing relationally, financially, helping to discover how, how the kingdom through business can work? Is yeah. How? It, the scripture says that we're to honor all men. It's not always easy for one group of people to honor another group of people when they go to visit on site. There is a kind of a universal tendency for ethnocentric thinking that we think we're better than they are. But if you will honor all men, be willing to do that, you can go to any country in the world and find people to honor. And the honor will open up the relationship. It will give you insight that you would not have seen before. It'll give you insight into people's character, capabilities, skill sets. And I think the Lord can give you a, a kind of hope for the adventure that he would like for you to take a part in. And uh, the people there that are encouraged and supported they can find incredible kingdom activity, kingdom success that may not have been discovered without the encouragement, but the encouragement can go you know, a long way. So I really like this part of Hans's story. So when you're involved in those globally, what else do you see developing, uh, Bill? Well, in one country that I visited, there was this fascinating situation where the church was only about 30 years old in the whole nation. I won't mention it for security reasons, but uh, it was so interesting to discover while I was there that they have already seen the difficulty of the local church accepting the BAM mentality because it has a sort of different set of metrics. And as I thought about it, the original church really would value evangelism more than anything else. And BAM will perhaps emphasize more of just the holistic presence of God over individuals and over the companies. But as you can create wealth through the successful business, now you have all kinds of ability to influence society in additional ways that the kingdom really honors. And so in this particular country, they saw the tension, but they really developed a kind of a peace among themselves And they recognize, well, we're going to focus on evangelism, but we want you to focus on the rest of the kingdom application. So a, a younger generation kind of feeling released, feeling blessed to explore business as mission. Exactly. It was very encouraging to see. I'm thinking of the Netherlands because <laughs> have something like that. Uh, how how do you see that when you when you think about, you know, the global church, European church, how are they engaging in business's mission? Do you see developments there, um, Hans? I think we have to uh, to divide it by two. Uh, 
something like that. You know, of course, we have a lot of business people in churches. And there is one way that we have to reach these business people in churches in one way or another, uh, because it's in the whole theological mindset. It's not very much uh, uh, done. And, and most of the pastors have no idea what to do with business people than only getting money from them. But they are much more valuable than, than what they think. And, and I think uh, and the whole mission message is that everybody in church can be a missionary or maybe should be a missionary, also the business people. So I think so. there is a big audience in, in the business, in churches, uh, what is latent there. So I think there, is, there should be a thing for also business mission in the Netherlands to develop that here in the Netherlands. How can we get these people out? Or anyway, how can we get the message to that people? That's number one. And the number two is that the, the business people who are already doing it are quite often lonely, uh, also in their own churches, right? because uh, it's not understood what they are doing and it's a little bit strange and maybe uh, they do business sometimes in countries where they... They don't like to do business too because, you know, it's uh, maybe uh, their ethical norms or whatever is not good enough for us. But but I know people who still also do business in, for instance, North Korea. Everybody will say North Korea is a very bad country. You cannot do business there. I mean, they told me in the time of communism that I was doing business in Romania. They said, you are a very bad guy because you were taking money away from these poor people in Romania. But of course, I could not tell them what I did. Yeah? See, so, and so people think what they, what they think. And I mean, I mean, this whole world where we're living in now, this whole fake world, you know, so much fake in this world. So we have to help our local business people who are willing to do business as mission. I think we as elderly people, Bill and I, and also other people, we need to help these local people to do that. The local business people to mentor them in one way or another, because there is something we can help them with, but they have to do the work. I mean, we are not going to do the work anymore. I would like for Hans to give our audience one specific story, because he's got hundreds of them. He's been to dozens and dozens of countries. And so far, we haven't heard for the audience, what does this actually look like in a bit more detail? So I wondered if he could pick one story out of his many and give our audience a bit more clarity on what did that really look like? Let me take a country what they can talk about, <laughs> because I work mainly in Muslim countries, and it's very hard to talk about what I'm doing there. But we also work in a country like Moldova. And uh, so we started a... Uh, a company in Moldova in panels, you know, a panel factory. And the panel factory are used, let's say, for building houses, also in the Netherlands. We also build houses in the Netherlands. And uh, so, but anyway, when we started to do that with this local person, then uh, we, we were uh, talking about the fact, how can we do that in such a way that business as mission is effective? You know, because to make a company somewhere, okay, that's, that's number one. And to make money is also good, but how can we be effective in the local society? So then we went there and started the company in a in an area where there was 75% of people unemployed seven years ago. And the, 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 the unemployment rate was so high that also the local uh, church didn't know what to do with all these people anymore. So And then all these people were fleeing to abroad. So all the men were working in, in, in Italy and Spain and wherever they were. And the women and the women were working somewhere else. And the children were sitting there with their 
families or with the, 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 the great uh, grandparents. And then most of the fathers and mothers never came back or they found a new boy or they found a new girl there somewhere, you know, they never came back. So this, this, whole, this whole country was disrupted, actually. So we said, this is not good. Families should stay together. So then we started as there especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today we today we have um, uh, f- uh, about 40 people working in this company. And what we do, we uh, show them out of how our face uh, to God, how you can work and why we stay there, that we like to help them, that they can start their own life there. We help them with housing. We help them uh, with discipleship training. Uh, people come to Christ, people go to churches, etc. Because of that, the whole uh, local economy is starting to help them. And the baker have more, uh, more clients, etc., etc. So this, is, this, this whole company becomes a type of light in that area. So it's no difficulty for us to, get, to find any people to work for us, anybody. They work for like, they said, okay, can we also work? The people come at our door. We, need, we don't need them at the very moment. We really like to grow more. Uh, and that's what we're doing as well. So in this way, you see that the local society is completely helped by this way of what we do in the company. And also the church is helped by doing that, you know. So it's a, it's a, it's a holistic approach, actually. So evangelization here does not mean that you have to do real evangelization yourself or preaching the gospel of the corner of the street. No, you preach the gospel by doing work and, and they know out of what kind of reason you do that. And then people start to understand. Then people start to ask questions and yeah. things grow. The church is growing there. The church is growing there. pastor is happy. <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and the church is also helping Ukrainians nowadays. That, uh, so they, they have 100 Ukrainians and 25 members of the church. Can you see uh, what they do? And it's also they get courage because of this. There's hope. I mean, my, my main question in my life is, how can I give people hope? Mm-hmm. That is encouraging. Uh, thank you for sharing. Well, we we are getting to a close, and we are now in a series, a new series we started, and we are working on a on a course how to thrive in the midst of adversities when you have challenges. I'm sure you have had them in the 40 years you are involved. Can you give uh, some advice to? us to the listener how when when you know we talked about being a baby growing up um, you know you get challenges and um, how do you keep thriving how do you end up in a later age with twinkle in your eyes i think uh, only the lord can do that <laughs> that's, that's what i believe because if i look at the miseries what i have in my life then then my wife has said many times to me why don't you stop you know, I mean, there's so many difficulties, so many difficulties with people, with, with companies, with countries, and all these kind of things. But the biggest, the biggest problem I have seen in my life is, you know, like-minded people, uh, what we call, we always uh, t- talk about like-minded people in our type of work, <laughs> although, and if, then we, uh, then we uh, mean believers. Like-minded people who are against you, and because quite often because they don't understand it, what you're doing, and quite often also because they uh, is maybe a certain type of jealousy can also be like that, or some of the uh, some mistakes what you make yourself, then they they put it in a very negative side. I think all these kind of things we should stop. I mean we we harm God's kingdom with that because we're all 
believe it, and there is nobody in the whole world who do not sin or makes no mistakes. So, I mean, if as, moon, as, uh, as soon as we realize that, and then we say, okay, also, okay, we have to lift God above all, and my neighbor as ourself, so if, then that means you have to love yourself as well, otherwise you cannot love your neighbor. So if you do this, then, then you don't have trouble. So I think we should learn as believers not to do that to one another. We better pray with one another if something goes wrong. So that's what you do. That's what I try to do. Bill, I think, I think of some of the um, former podcasts we did. You, one of the things is like, bless your enemies. We took the scripture seriously when it says to do things like that. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who curse you. And We found out there were six witches that cursed me every day. And so I thought, well, what do you do with this? <laughs> and uh, so I shared it with my team, and they ended up going to the witches' houses at five in the morning and circling them and just praying blessings over their homes and stuff. And so one of my goals became, I want to be an unoffendable person. I want to not be offended by those things that happen against me. It's, there's a lot of freedom in that. And it's very healthy. And for longevity's sake, we cannot bear the offenses. We must release people, release the, the accusations. And, but I'm, I'm tickled at the phrase like-minded people when we discover they're not quite like-minded like we thought we were. <laughs> and so we give them blessings and grace. And we just ask that please just let us do what we think God wants us to do well. To release and to bless and to. Now, yeah, uh, I, I say this, I do the same as Bill says. I mean, I pray for these people. And if you pray for somebody, you cannot condemn them. <laughs> that's, that's quite easy, right? If I pray for somebody to that for a blessing, how can I condemn it? It's impossible. And if you do that more and more, then you even get love in your heart for that person mm-hmm. or persons. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been another delightful sharing with one another, sharing life, sharing life in how the spirit can work through everything in our lives, in, in business. And that's what I personally like about business as mission. It, you know, things that are preached in, in church become so tangible in all areas of our lives. So thank you, Hans, for, You're welcome. for this time and for taking your time to, to come here. And uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Gay. It's been a joy and an honor. This was Gea Gord from the Netherlands. Remember to visit benmoves.com and check out the course on Kingdom Mindsets for Business, Life and Work. And in two weeks' time, we will be back with another episode. Follow us in your favorite podcast app so you won't miss the next one. <laughs>